Are you ready to make positive transformation happen for you? Today, you're going to hear how some of the most successful people in the world have made it happen. Hello, and welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership with Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. These successful people and Dr. Woolsey will share advice, insights, tips, and tricks designed to help you incite personal action. It's time to bring positive transformational leadership to your life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. Hello, and I am so glad to have you here today. This is Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey, and you're listening to Transformational Energy Leadership coming to you live from the heartland of America. Now, during the show over the commercial breaks, I do encourage you to go to my website. That's transformationalenergyleadership.com and learn more about me and my business offerings. And you can also contact me by emailing me at mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership. And you can go to this platform that's Voice America under the Empowerment Channel. You can find me there. And of course, I'm on social media. That's LinkedIn and Facebook. Now, today's discussion is one that is near and dear to my heart because we're talking about managing and leading Generation X into the next evolution of your organization. So joining me today is Mia Mulrennan. She's the CEO of her own business called Raveworthy. She is a doctorate level organizational psychologist and has been an executive for the travel and hospitality industry and is the professor and author of the Amazon number one hot new release book called Passed Over and Pissed Off, The Overlooked Leadership Talents of Generation X. And here's a little bit more about Mia. She focuses on developing and supporting women leaders along with helping organizations leverage the often overlooked leadership talents of Generation X. And Dr. Mulrennan has taught in university business leadership graduate programs for 18 years. And most recently, as a founding professor in the Masters of Global Hospitality Leadership Program at Georgetown, where she won the Teaching Excellence Award in 2016. Mia is the creator of an easy, low-cost, 25-question survey for hiring and retaining customer-centric talents for the service industry. And the service, or the survey, rather, transforms the art of hospitality using the science of psychology. So now that you hear all of that, let's find out who this Mia is. So Mia, I am so glad to have you on Transformational Energy Leadership. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Especially in these cold times right now, right? <laughs> in the winter. <laughs> so you don't mean we'll warm we... everyone up. Yes, we'll warm everyone up on the on the who's listening to the show. So you know, before we even unfold the story of of what you do. Tell us a little, a little bit about how you got here today. And the reason why I ask is all of us, the listeners, you and myself, we all have a story. We all have differences. We have commonalities. And you have a really unique background. So take it away. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, I've always been fascinated by uh, human behavior, why people do the things they do, make the decisions that they make. And I didn't know as a teenager um, and child that this was really the study of psychology, but it was something I was always really having curiosity questions about, even the East Coast in Queens, New York, and um, was uh, only child. So I had a lot of time with adults and a lot of time to be kind of thinking about and curating those curiosity questions. And when I um, did start my college career, um, I was, uh, as a teenager, very interested in theater. And then, boy, I'm going to double major in both 
theater arts and psychology and stayed in uh, psychology and applied it to leadership and people's careers and coaching and business um, ever since. Once I got hooked, um, it, there was no turning back. Isn't that something? The seed was planted in your head as a kid and look at where it's what, how you've transformed your life to be doing what you're doing today. And so that, that takes me to the topic of which the show is about. And it's the generations within the workforce as well as let's talk about organizational psychology and where you have your expertise in. And, you know, so there is a lot of generational noise happening in the workplace right now. You cannot... I, I, I think, I swear, every time you go to a newspaper, there's always something, or if you read Forbes or Wall Street Journal or Harvard Business Review, you read something about, you know, the millennials are doing this or baby boomers are doing that. So let's begin our conversation here talking about those two behemoth groups that are in the workforce today, those being the baby boomers and then the millennials. Tell us, remind us about yeah. who they are and what are the significant differences between the two? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, going back to psychology, I do want to say, though, this is really interesting that I would end up writing the book that I did and um, focusing a lot on Gen X. believe in bucketing or labeling based on generations. In fact, what's important for everyone to note when they're reading about generations in general or generations in the workplace is that this is all social psychology comes under the heading of social psychology, which basically says that there are reasons why people end up behaving as they do, making the decisions that they do, or overall being impacted by the power of what happens in society during the time that they are living. So what is true about generations is that they shared in, as a cohort, in very similar things that were happening in society, dynamics, events. So to answer your question specifically about those generations, baby boomers were born um, between the years 1946 and 1964. So right now they're 55 to 72 years old. And they lived, looking at the lens of social psychology, um, they were living through things like the um, JFK assassination and um, Bobby Kennedy's assassination, and they redefined uh, breaking away from the generation before them. They redefined um, questioning authority. They believed drugs and rock and roll, and they redefined youth in music and many things for all of us. Generation X, um, people born between 1965 and 1981 are um, 37 to 54 right now, and they were truly the digital pioneers. So they were the first to use um, technology, go from analog to digital, and use technology in all called Xers, Slackers, and um, Xers went through an awful lot of the same dynamics millennials go through as far as being critiqued. Then comes the millennials. The millennials are Generation Y. A lot of people get confused about this. The millennials are Generation Y. They were born between 1982 and 1996, so they're 22 to 36 years old now, and they're followed by Generation Z, normally called the digital natives, who are now, uh, who from 1997 onward, um, and they're zero, you know, to 21 years old. 
So those are the four active um, generations as we label them in the workforce right now. Um, the significant differences really come among uh, what happened in society. Baby boomers grew up during a very cushy time in American history. Um, the World War II was over with, the suburbs were built for this generation, and um, they had a, a lot of um, things like uh, intact families where moms were measured by um, their parenting and how white their white their whites were and how wonderful the home life was. Um, Xers grew up in a very different society where it was the highest divorce rate in American history. Women uh, were undergoing the second women's movement and were no longer measured by um, their parenting. They were measured more of how courageous and pioneering they could be uh, doing things like going into the workplace and uh, think Gloria Steinem. Um, and many of them were latchkey kids. Uh, and then things, you know, bounce back. That pendulum swung back for the millennials, where um, the millennials um, were raised during a time where it was very focused on uh, their schedule, uh, whether it was sports, extracurricular activities, um, food was a healthier food as a huge focus, um, academics as a huge focus, and uh, so all three generations were raised very differently and during very different societal times. Mm-hmm. And I, just for self-disclosure, I very much am a Gen Xer as well. And as I read your book, I just could not help but go, yes, this is so true. It's so true. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I was a latchkey kid. I did have responsibility. And Me it's, too. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's fascinating to see how when we became adults, we altered and changed the way that we raised our children. I don't have children, but watching my friends raising their kids and really overcompensating for the things that we didn't have. And you're right. It's a direct direct effect of societal norms here in the U.S. particularly. I want to, that leads me to my next question then for you is, why did you write this book, Passed Over and Pissed Off, The Overlooked Leadership Talents of Generation X? Well, like I said before, I, I was really n- not a convert to the discussion on labeling or bucketing people and generations in the workplace. However, over the course of my career, um, I've had a very active um, coaching uh, practice. And I found during a certain part of um, my coaching that I was hearing similar stories over and over again of people who were saying, I can't believe uh, that I've been waiting and waiting to get the next level position and this person in the next level leadership position is not going anywhere. Because baby boomers, remember, they are very invested in defining themselves as staying eternally youthful. And they acquired and then kept leadership positions much, much longer than any other generation. I call this the Prince Charles effect, where Generation X has had to wait and wait and wait and wait for those upper level leadership positions to open. At the same time, baby boomers, they're called boomers because they're a big generation. At the same time, millennials were born and millennials are an even larger population than the boomers. So it's not an hourglass shape. It's kind of like a heavy hourglass shape where um, Gen X is really tiny in the center. 
And at the same time, all this energy was being focused on millennials. So in my coaching practice, I was hearing this set of people who were saying, I'm not eligible to go into the next leadership position because someone is parked there. And at the same time, my organization is making so much um, of an investment and focus in millennials. I, I don't know what to do. And so they were leaving. They were starting their own companies. They were because Gen Xers are very self-sufficient. And I was thinking, wow, this is really not very good for corporations because this group of people who are supposed to be the next leaders, who have a lot of experience, who have been so successful, are going to leave. I call it a Gen Exodus. So I looked at all of these people who had these stories in my caseload and put their files on my dining room table one afternoon. And I thought, you know, maybe just visually, energy-wise, this would help me um, think of some paths and some ways to coach them in an ideal way. And I noticed that all seven of these people were within four birth years of each other, four birth years of each other, and they were mm -hmm. all Gen Xers. And a light bulb came on. Well, I started kind of Googling and saying, okay, what resources can I find for these people to show them, you know, they're in good company, they're not alone, I'm an Xer myself, what are, and there really was nothing out there about Gen X, <laughs> mm. which again reinforced that um, being ignored, um, being a really ignored segment. Um, of, of leadership and the population in general. But that's what caused me to write the book. I, yes, Jen Exodus. I, I had a, while you were talking about that, I just was reflecting on my high school friends, for example, and how many of us are indeed entrepreneurs who aren't yes. doing the corporate pathway and it just mm -hmm. it just dawned on me mm -hmm. and so many of the ones that I'm strongly connected to in fact we still organize our high school reunions we just had our 30th <laughs> this last year wow it was, that's wonderful yeah it is but it is it's what you just said it's so true that we just take the bull by the horns and and make things happen so that is an excellent place to stop before we go to commercial break because in the next segment it's the so what factor. Okay, so what? So what? What does this mean? And how can organizations and corporations leverage and really embrace the the talents that Generation X has to offer? So for everyone out there, stay tuned because we have a really colorful conversation coming up. And during the commercial break, I encourage you go to my website, and we'll see you here in a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. 
Do you have audacious faith for your business? We help you to learn more about stepping out on faith to brand your business and yourself in today's crowded competitive marketplace. Is your marketing plan in order? How do you set yourself apart? Audacious Faith for Your Business with host Dawn Jordan-Jones will teach you the methods that can make yourself and others aware of who you are. Audacious Faith for Your Business is broadcast live every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in and see your hard work pay off. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back. So today I am joined by Dr. Mia Morenin, and we're talking about leading in a workforce composed of multiple generations where the Gen Xers are often overlooked. And in my first segment, Mia was talking about really providing some context about, you know, going into the workforce and, and what gave her or led her to writing this book about Generation X. And so, you know, Mia... I read your book, and I, I said that in the first the first segment because, of course, it caught me and it hooked me, and I went, "Yep, this is my life." So, thank you for that. <laughs> um, but you know, in your book, you do make a number of compelling reasons why Gen Xers were born to lead. Talk more about that. Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, um, there are really quite a few aspects as to why um, Gen Xers are born leaders. One is being the often forgotten middle child between two behemoth generations that um, made Gen Xers really observant about those two generations because they have so dominated the conversations. Um, And that makes them really good bridge builders. They've witnessed numerous transitions in the business world, just like everyone else, but unlike the millennials and the baby boomers, they can serve as knowledge and cultural liaisons between those two generations. So um, they successfully do that. Another thing Gen Xers are known for, you and I had the conversation that we were both latchkey kids. That made Gen Xers exceedingly self-sufficient. I'll talk about uh, later how they're almost too self-sufficient. They just quietly kind of build their own thing and go for it and have, um, so they're very um, resilient. Uh, They manage through change. They demonstrate and teach resilience um, during times of change in a very self-sufficient way that other generations um, have and uh, have not done. And the last thing I'll mention is that they're the last of the loyalists. Once you earn a Gen Xer's trust, their loyalty is very strong. They are engaged. They'll hold on to, um, they're the last generation to hold on to specific brands, for example, which um, millennials are known for not doing, and and Gen Z digital natives are also known for not doing. Um, So that translates really well into organizational uh, loyalty and leadership if they're treated well. Natural, they're they're natural at building bridges. I, 
I really like that because, you know, you, you're right. We are nestled between these two. And I think, you know, when you and I were talking, I still hold on to some of the things like it took me a while to go from a paper calendar, you know, to an online calendar, for example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Once I made it, mm-hmm. once I made that transformation or made that transition to doing that. And so you're right. We dabble in both, at least from my own experiences. And so it makes a ton of sense there. And I, I'm looking forward to you talking about how some of these things could also be detriments to us. There's one thing that really struck me when I was reading your book and chapter 15, you highlight a study that was conducted by Ernst & Young where they surveyed, I think it was over 1,200 full-time professionals who had an yeah. equal number right, of millennials and Gen Xers and baby boomers regarding their perceptions of each generation's their managerial skills and their general characteristics in the workplace. So, you know, talk about those findings and why it is so important for everyone to know. Yeah, so this study was really interesting because it was across generations. It wasn't focused on one generation versus the other. It really was a full-spectrum study by Ernst & Young. And what was very interesting is that the often ignored generation, Gen X, rated the highest across all groups. They were um, cited as the most likely to possess key leadership skills because they were considered far and away the most flexible, um, most communicative, the most inclusive, um, productive, and um, some of this may be because of those early years of being self-sufficient. Many Gen Xers who were latchkey kids also had to take care of siblings and be um, collaborative, find a way to make food, make their own food. So we're the generation that grew up on cereal, craft dinner, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, we had to kind of make it all work, and we do today as well. With We're sandwiched between aging parents and, um, and our kids, um, like all generations end up being, but with Gen Xers, um, they, these really can translate well into uh, the workplace as far as leadership skills. So in this study... 77% of all respondents across all generations regarded Gen X um, as tech-savvy and easy to work with, um, where the other generations scored um, much lower, um, only like 27%, for example, um, for, for boomers, sorry, boomers. Um, so it was a really interesting uh, study by Ernst & Young. Right. When I read that, I went, uh-huh. There's some great, <laughs> great insights. <laughs> but, you know, this this goes, obviously, I think the natural question is, for truly transformational leaders that are out there, what do they need to, or what do we all need to pay attention to when it comes to really developing leaders in the Gen X group? Yeah, this is important because Gen X can sometimes even be their own worst enemy. You can see the double-edged sword of some of these highlighted leadership skills that Gen X bring to the table. For example, if you're resilient and self-sufficient, this means that if you are someone who keeps kind of bumping up against these systems-related um, obstacles, you're going to self-sufficiently 
um, just kind of build something else on your own. And this really is uh, of, you know, huge um, detriment, I believe, to organizations because um, most entrepreneurs are Gen Xers who suffered from the Prince Charles effect and decided not to wait around any longer um, for leadership positions to open. At the same time, organizations are very focused on millennials and millennials are less expensive than boomers or Gen Xers, let's be honest. So um, I would really um, tell organizations to be aware of the knowledge that is walking out the door. Boomers are indeed retiring, um, and that generation after them are the Xers that now have decades of experience um, that millennials do not, even though millennials bring so many um, key assets to the table. Um, one of them is not the same level of experience or self-sufficiency or resiliency, you could argue, as Gen Xers. So um, Gen Xers, I would say, you know, speak up and advocate um, as much as millennials do for yourselves. And organizations uh, to realize um, that Gen X not only does exist, but all of the key factors uh, they bring to the table that are clear leadership talents. Mm. And you know, on the flip side of that, what advice do you have for Gen Xers? Yeah, for Gen Xers, I, I would say one of the things to be aware of is since we are great bridgers uh, between baby boomers and millennials, that's a huge, valuable asset to organizations. Um, we were the very, very first generation to be embedded in technology. So we came of age in the late 70s. Um, that's when most Gen Xers were in grade school. And by 1984, only 16% of all households owned a computer, I think. And by the end of that decade, um, that figure had more than doubled. So we are really um, the generation who went from analog to digital. And um, think of that as a great uh, analogy or example of how we bridge from, from baby boomers to millennials. Baby boomers and millennials also have a huge um, energy with each other. Think of the movie with Anne Hathaway and um, Robert De Niro called Intern. I don't know if anyone saw that movie, but that's a great pop culture example of how boomers and millennials are very drawn to each other. The boomers were called the original me generation, and the millennials are called the present me generation. And um, that also means that Gen Xers were right in the middle, kind of observing all of this. Um, and that really leads to being able to bring a lot of collaborative, um, good skills uh, to organizations and getting work done. Mm. I, I'm, I was thinking about the very first time I worked on a computer. It was a TRS-80, a Radio Shack model, and we had computer class. <laughs> and then yes. jumping, you know, just yes, I remember that as well. In middle school, um, the New York Times came to our classroom um, in Forest Hills uh, Halsey Junior High School because we were the first computer science class in the New York metropolitan area, and we um, punched blue cards. Um, for coding um, and had one of the very first Apple um, computers in our classroom. And um, it was really transformational, of course, 
and uh, funny to think of now, but amazing then. Right. Yes. And to think that we were the first generation to have Mosaic, I think it was Mosaic, wasn't it? Or Gopher, the first online internet, you know, process to where we are today. We've really covered quite a bit of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I mentioned before, we were the first to use technology in all aspects of our life, including for sheer fun and joy, for gaming, which uh, baby boomers did not grow up with. Um, so that's why Gen Xers were seen as slackers. Oh my goodness, they're just going to play video games the rest of their lives. Um, and which didn't come true. Um, but it really shows how technology permeated all aspects of our life. Um, and we were the first generation where that happened. Right. I, I remember, you know, my early career when I started out after graduate school, I worked in student affairs. And I, you know, a lot of our discussions were around, you know, this Gen X population that's coming into the university and, uh, you know, having to deal or, or address some of the things that this Gen X was doing. And then fast forward to where we are with millennials now and to see that shift. And I think what you remind all of us through this conversation here is we are a reflection of what's been happening in society. and. Absolutely. Also remember that millennials, there's a lot of energy and noise around millennials because millennials have helicopter parents. So they are, uh, they are focused upon. Gen Xers were not focused upon as children. That's why we were latchkey kids. That's why women were going, our moms were going into the workforce in the highest numbers, you know, ever proportionately. They were no longer the stay-at-home moms, and the divorce rate was the highest in America's history. The birth control pill um, was readily available. All of these aspects were happening during coming of age for Gen X, which means they were not really a focal point in uh, the media and in articles where millennials, you know, the polar opposite happened. Millennials hardly ever grew up with any time alone. They were always with parents in the car, being driven somewhere, or at school under the supervision of teachers. It was just the polar opposite um, in many ways, uh, sort of uh, child-rearing. Um, we Gen Xers were not helicopter-parented in the least. Mm-hmm. And there we have it. So there's the Gen X. And, 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 you know, before we go to break, too, I think it's so important for us to, to say every generation does have its absolute strengths and the things they bring to the equation, as well as there might be some blind spots. And, and what you pointed out here is there is one big blind spot, and that is we can't forget this Generation X. That's a smaller one squished between these two. And they really have so much to offer organizations. And so, like you said earlier, be cognizant of the knowledge that's walking out the door if we don't embrace and and bring them into the fold. So let's take a break here. When we come back, let's dive a bit more into social psychology or organizational psychology and some of the work that you're doing there. So for everyone out there, during the break, go to my my website that's Transformational Energy Leadership, and we'll be we'll see you back here on the other side. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you where you want to be right now? 
We live our lives sometimes looking at others and thinking the grass is always greener on their side, not realizing that we have the power within us to pursue our dreams. It begins with a head start in the right direction, and that head start is with host Carla D. Walker and From the Inside Out. Believe in your abilities and take action. Listen live every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The White House Doctor Makes House Calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we are back. So today my guest, Dr. Mia Mulrennan, and I have been talking about the overlooked and passed over talents of Generation X in today's workforce. And now we're going to shift gears a bit and, and go into the realm of organizational psychology and its relevance to brand. And this is one of Dr. Morenin's areas of passion. And I'm sure this is going to come through in her voice as she talks about this. And so we hear about this, Mia. Uh, uh, yep, you're chuckling because you know it's coming. <laughs> we, That's right. Well, you know, I I just have to say that there is, um, as far as industrial organizational psychology, one of the things I usually do um, when I have speaking engagements, for example, is to kind of backpedal a little bit and uh, take a poll from the audience and say, what do you think um, business psychology or industrial organizational psychology is? And you get a lot of interesting answers. And what industrial organizational psychology really is, is if you kind of look at the two words separately, industrial, um, it started way long ago, decades ago in the factory, how to make people more industrious, basically. And that translates today into workplace and work-life happiness, employee experience, what makes people motivated to work, what drives them to be at their very best. So that is really the industrial part of the industrial organizational psychology. Then the organizational part, which is how do organizations choose, um, manage, kind of architect um, people, people's behaviors, um, their talent. And so you can then easily see how industrial organizational psychology links so heavily with brands. Um, And I've done decades of research on what makes individuals and companies successful with their customers and um, with their employees. And the one thing that has come out of my research as an overall outcome is, uh, common sense, is 
how you treat your employees and how those employees treat your customers cannot be separated. They are completely intertwined and codependent with each other. Um, so, as you can tell, I have a huge passion around this because I've done so much research on it over the years. But um, it, of course, links beautifully um, in organizational psychology. And when I um, coach leaders and executives, I often say, you know, if you want to succeed in your career and in business, understand human behavior, including first your own. And everything kind of blossoms from from there, from that point, um, and that is embedded in psychology. And everything's codependent. And I'm so I really appreciate, and I'm sure you do too, as you're working with clients, how organizations are embracing this and realizing the power of psychology and and the importance of it. And like you said, translating to the happiness, workplace happiness. Now, you know, I I, I have to tell you, we've got a caller on hold. Are you ready to take a call? Absolutely. Sure. All right. We've got Bobby in Nebraska. Well, hello there. Hello. Welcome. Hello. I'm really enjoying, I'm really enjoying this show, and I, I'm really looking forward to reading your book. It really resonates with me. Um, I'm a Gen X as well, and I was passed over and still pissed off. And um, so You're in good company. Yes. <laughs> I kept thinking, oh, you know, once I get my bachelor's degree, once I get my master's degree, I'll finally get promoted. And then um, after, after, and the double-edged sword you're talking about, I'm a loyalist. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but um, so I was at my company for 23 years and got the phone call. Oh, we're reorganizing. You're no longer needed. It's like, okay. <laughs> so now I'm kind of starting this whole new journey. So your book really, just listening to this discussion today really resonates with me. So I really look forward to uh, uh, to reading it. So I really didn't have a particular question. I just wanted to call in and comment and say that. Well, thank you so much for calling and commenting. And I, I first want to say you're in very, very good company. Um, if it makes you uh, feel any better, Gen Xers as a generational group have uh, proportionately the most graduate degrees of any um, generation. And a lot of that is because of that Prince Charles effect that I mentioned before, that Gen Xers uh, all have gone through this period of time of thinking, wow, I want that next position. I want to be um, that you know, senior vice president or um, C-suite position. And boomers, um, much of it through no fault of their own, boomers uh, never left those positions because of internal reasons. They want to be seen as um, eternally um, able to uh, work like uh, any 40-something-year-old, um, number one. That's the internal kind of drive. But the external drive was the Great Recession. So when the Great Recession hit, maybe many baby boomers were not able to retire. So your story of having you know, gone to get the next degree, of um, being loyal to the organization, um, and then the organization restructuring because um, maybe they could uh, obtain a millennial um, for less, because it's a numbers game, it's nothing personal, um, is a story that uh, many Gen Xers 
um, tell. And uh, another reason why Gen Xers um, kind of take the bounce and bounce into portfolio careers and being entrepreneurs. So you are in very good company. Oh, great. Well, no, anyway, I just really appreciate this discussion today. So, well, uh, thanks for calling in. And just know as you hang up, you're in good company. Thank you, Bob. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks. And that was a, that was a good, man, that was really good to hear, too, that as I hear my peers and, and individuals I coach, for you to say and to remind us that, yes, we do, we are educated, and 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 we're loyal. And maybe that's to our detriment in some cases. So, it, Yes, it can be. However, it, you know, being last of the loyalists brings some huge benefit and value to organizations. Okay. And um, I think that that's something organizations are um, not uh, looking at it the big picture. They're just looking at that kind of numbers game that I referred mm-hmm. to. And, and there are um, some detriments to that. Right. And Gen Exodus hurts everyone. It, yes, it does. It does. Well, I, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that we had the call. And, and before the, the call, we were talking about, you know, or industrial organizational psychology. And, and when you think about I guess my question is, how is psychology, because that's where we left off to psychology in the workplace, how is it related to business success and to the individual work satisfaction? Yeah, this is huge because um, uh, my company, Raveworthy, sometimes people will say, well, what does being Raveworthy mean? It's not just about getting a good review. And um, it's really defined as when a company's customers return That's one measurement criteria. Do your customers and clients come back and stay with you when customers return? The second criteria is whether or not leaders learn. So are your leaders evolving and open to learning and understanding what it takes um, to be the best and better leaders, which links so uh, well into what what you do um, and um, what this entire, you know, media and station is focused on. So do customers return? Do leaders learn? Do your teams shine? So that is really about do the talent uh, and teams who get the work done, are they doing um, what is their calling and that they're passionate about? Or do they need to be in different roles? Or are they the right choice or selection for those projects or for the company at all? Do the teams shine? And that has lots of variables. And when all three of those criteria are met, then revenue climbs. I mean, it is just inevitable. And that's all linked with psychology. Customers return because of psychological reasons. Leaders learn based on psychological reasons. Teams shine, certainly, because of psychological reasons. Um, And, you know, I have some uh, friends who are scientists, and they say, oh, science is in everything. And I always like to say, so is psychology. And it's very true. Very true. Mm -hmm. This is I'm so glad to hear learning part of that mix. You know, in in my research and working with leaders and the – you know, my dissertation work, one of the constants for every single transformational leader in their realm, learning was was a cornerstone of who they are and what they do. And so it's, yeah, it's really power. You know, and I'm thinking you, you, you know, you're a doctorate. 
And I'm curious, how did you start researching what makes people and companies great with customers and their employees? Well, I started off my career in the luxury hotel industry. So I was an HR generalist with Marriott Corporation, and then I got wooed away to these um, exclusive boutique hotels and just really adored working in that kind of environment. And one of the hotels I worked in um, was the Whitney Hotel on the banks of the Mississippi River, beautiful um, property. And I was um, leading HR and also selection of customer-facing talent. And one day, a guest was coming down the main staircase in the lobby and going to the front desk, and he had a question. And there were two staff members behind the front desk, and one was exceedingly and consistently great with customers, and the other was having some challenges. And I was walking behind this customer trying to, like, will him silently, go to the person on the right, go to the person on the right. Um, he didn't. He went to the person on the left, and um, a conversation ensued that didn't go as it should have, but the person who was consistently great with customers resolved everything. Mm. Well, later that night, I was at dinner with a friend, and I said, you know, I told her this story, and I said, what makes some people consistently fantastic with customers and other people just not as great? And I'll never forget it. She um, looked up at me, and she said, Mia, you're taking graduate-level classes at one of the best psychology programs in the country. Go figure it out. Mm, there you go. <laughs> and so in 1989, I started um, researching and, you know, the technology wasn't yet there to do meta-analysis. So my um, books and notes turned into floppy disk, turned into um, uh, hard disks, now turned into data. And now I have a data set of over 8,000 people. Um, and the meta-analysis factors of what makes people and organizations great with customers, customer-centric and service-oriented, have not changed in that data since 1996. Oh, so, so there's some constants. Yes, yes. What, compelling, well, compelling data, yes, and so, um, then the survey was built from that. And the human condition, it, it's there's some constants there. So can can you drop one or two things that really stood out for you? Absolutely. Yeah. My favorite one to talk about is during the 90s, what came into the lexicon in customer service was the word empathy. And it uh -huh. still is a huge buzzword. And so that's the only factor in the 30 years of research that I fed into my data. And it ends up that empathy is not a very strong factor. Um, most people are capable of empathy. Most people. And, um, but most people, only 12% of the population are customer centric and service oriented. So that's not a defining factor. Empathy is not defining. What is defining is the factor of altruism. So if hmm. you have the opportunity to help people during your job and you believe that that makes you a better employee, makes your job more motivating for you, and um, makes you your work life better, that is one of the defining factors of being customer-centric and service-oriented, your sense of altruism, not empathy. Isn't that something? And I would have thought 
Uh, and that's fascinating because I talk with about empathy so much right now in my coaching and the workshops that I do and what you're saying is altruism. So you've got me, the wheels in my head turning. Okay, here we are. The time Now, empathy is important, but I'm just talking about customer centricity and service orientation. So empathy right. is exceedingly important. I don't want to dismiss it at all. <laughs> oh, not at all. Not at all. Didn't take it that way. <laughs> okay, we are at a commercial <laughs> break. My, how the time flies. So what we'll do is we'll come back and we'll just boil all this down into actionable things that we can do based off the conversation today. So for everyone out there listening, stay tuned. We'll be here in just a couple of minutes. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in to The James Dentley Show and learn strategies for success in business and in life. Dr. James Dentley is a proven success coach who knows how to convert good into great. You'll find out from the achievers and leaders how they got to be the success stories that they are. And Dr. Dentley and his guests will give you the tools you need to follow in their footsteps. It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show. Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Are you a game changer in disguise? Are you tired of waking up every day saying, they soar like eagles and I'm stuck in the nest? Well, wonder no more. It's time to soar. Of the world's millionaires, billionaires, and game changers, almost all started with at least one unique idea. Join Crystal for a controversial look at triumphs, tragedies, tools, and secrets for living a fun, financially free life with her successful guests. Listen to Soaring with Eagles. Tuesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. And get ready to soar. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to one 888 346-9141 That's 1-888-346-9141 If you'd rather send an email send it to mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back to the show. You know, we've been talking today about the often overlooked talents of the Gen Xers navigating their careers in today's organizations. We've also addressed the importance of organizational psychology and brand. And my guest, Dr. Mia Mulrennan, has shared her passion about these topics and the real call for all of us to pay attention to the workforce talents in front of us. You know, we're all people. You, you boil it all down. We're all people. And we have physical and mental well-being things that we need to have addressed as employees. Okay, so Mia... Let's bring this all together for the listeners. You know, what should the listening audience remember from today's conversation about transformational leadership when it comes to working with Gen Xers and the power of organizational psychology? Well, when working with Gen Xers, I think one of the most important things to realize is um, that they are indeed a um, middle child generation. And when organizations and members of the other generations, baby boomers and millennials, um, kind of 
give a nod to Gen Xers and their now level of, you know, decades long um, work in organizations. I think that that in and of itself is huge. Uh, recently on CBS, um, there was uh, on a news short show a generation guideline defined by years, and they had four generations up there, and not one of them was Gen X. They had the silent generation, baby boomers, millennials, and post-millennials. And in between baby boomers and millennials are the Gen Xers, and they weren't even acknowledged. So what? I think number one <laughs> would be, yeah, yeah. Um, check check out on Twitter. Uh, you'll actually see a screenshot of that CBS um, um, slide. And um, so Gen X is indeed ignored and overlooked. So um, I think that's number one. Uh, number number two would be a message to Gen Xers specifically. You are self sufficient. You were you know raised that way. You're resilient. You were raised that way. Um, you are not as self-advocating as the generation before you and the generation after you. So um, growing and focusing on those skills and being self-advocating um, in pushing back to say, you know, here's what I do bring to the table. Here are the things that um, would be missing if um, my role were um, given to a different person. Um, th this is important um, as a Gen Xer because um, we tend to quietly and self-sufficiently build things on our own. Um, and as far as the power of organizational psychology, I would say in, in general, one of the primary points um, that are two, which is um, you can have the title of leader, you can um, have uh, all of the uh, kind of outside uh, accoutrement, if you will, of what makes a leader. But if you don't have um, the knowledge of human behavior, of things like influence, of understanding that you can't separate how people are treated um, from how they work um, and are motivated to work, um, you really are never going to be defined as, as a true leader. Um, and I think that's what industrial organizational psychology is all about, to kind of uh, raise the flag and say, you know, woohoo, we're not robots, we're not um, logically uh, minded by drivers um, for, for our best work. We are psychologically and, and energy and feeling um, driven. And I, I think that those are really the most important messages for industrial organizational psychology overall. And I try to, when I coach people, um, tell them that they are able to then learn secrets, um, get a completely different viewpoint about dynamics and how to work with others and how to gain a level of self-insight to be um, completely um, different and transformed, if you will, in how they see work and how others experience them at work and as leaders, um, all based in psychology. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad you brought up energy in there as, you know, that's part of my talking about energy and what that means in terms of how we engage with others. So here we are. I have to say thank you so much for being on the show. And before we go, what is the best way if, if the listening audience wants to get in contact with you? How can they reach you? 
Well, I'm very active on LinkedIn, so please link in with me. And on my LinkedIn profile, which is Mia Mulrenin, PsyD, it's just my degree on there, um, you'll see my email, which is Mia at RayForthee.com. Awesome. And I also have to ask you, and we talked about this during the break, that is, I'm curious about what you are working on right now. What are you reading? What are you doing? Yeah, well, I uh, do a lot of women's leadership development programs. And for the first time in my career, I'm going to be doing uh, programs globally. And uh, I've done um, some programs and work internationally. But the first for the first time, I'll be traveling to Saudi Arabia. And I am so excited to travel somewhere I have not been before. That's fantastic. And the the cultural things that you'll observe and experience, and I'm sure perhaps you'll have a a new chapter to write in your future book. (laughs) There you go, about women leaders. (laughs) With women leaders, fantastic. I cannot thank you enough for the time that you spent today sharing with all of us your insights about really working with Gen X and how it all connects also to social site or, or, you know, psycho- social psychology. What am I missing up here? The Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Organizational psychology. That was the word I was looking for. There all right. So, there we go. Well, thank you, Mia. I, I appreciate your time with us today. And of course, for everyone out there listening, if you have a topic or you that you like covered, or if you know someone who would be great to have on the show and to really open up this world of transformational energy leadership, feel free to contact me. You can email me at mwolsey at transformational energy leadership. Go to my website. And to everyone out there, harness your positive energy and lead transformation. We'll talk with you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Transformational Energy Leadership. Please join Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey again for another edition next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.